Tonight we will uh, conclude our lesson uh, answering the question, Does God know all things? I do hope that uh, it has been helpful and um, encouraging to each of you. I'm glad that you are here tonight, both uh, those who are here physically uh, in our presence and those who are online. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Merciful and kind God, we're so thankful to you for your amazing grace and for your blessings in Christ Jesus, for your love, for your care, for your compassion, and, and for your kindness. Thank you, Lord God, for being with us and blessing us, for granting us this opportunity to worship you tonight. We pray our worship will and has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight, that all things that will and have been said and done will and have been pleasing unto thee. These things we thank you for and pray in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ. It be thy will. Amen. Remember that the, uh, I believe, scripturally speaking, a more accurate way of stating the knowledge of God is to say that God has all access to knowledge rather than saying that God knows all things. When we say that God knows all things, we actually find many contradictions in life as well as uh, in the scriptures. Um, there are questions in our Bible classes that come up that we can't answer. When people say, well, why did God let this happen? Or why did God do this? Or why did God do that? And, and then we get into those troubling Bible studies that uh, that become more emotional than factual uh, than that which is from the scriptures. So it's better from the scriptures to say what the Bible says, and that is that God has access to all knowledge. Remember, God has the uh, ability to choose not to know. And the example I gave in the very beginning uh, of this series was that God chooses not to remember our sins anymore. He does not know our sins that we have repented of and those that we've been baptized and forgiven of. So tonight, let's go ahead and close this lesson uh, series out. God tests us to reveal knowledge. As we use the same thing, we use tests to reveal knowledge. We're going to Jeremiah uh, chapter 11. What choices will I make in life? I know I say, I say I'll do this. If this, if this situation happens, uh, then I'm going to do that. And then you know how sometimes that very situation happens and I, I don't quite respond the way I thought I was going to. And so the question is, well, how will I handle life's troubles or trials that may come my way? Well, God also tries us or tests us to see, well, what's really on your heart? What's really, what's really there? What's in your mind? So Jeremiah 11 and verse 20, the Bible says, But O Lord of hosts, who judges righteously, who tries the feelings and the heart, let me see thy vengeance on them, for to thee I have committed my cause. The question that I, that I want to ask and think about throughout this lesson is, why does God try us or test us? If he already knows the answer. What is the purpose of the test? Right? If he already knows how things are going to turn out. Why would he have to test us? Proverbs 17. The reality is we don't even know how those things will turn out. Because we don't know what our mood swing is going to be like at that moment. At that very hour. What our what our faithfulness is going to be like. What our weaknesses uh, are going to be like. And so... We don't even know. We can't even make promises 
You never know what promise you're going to break. Because we're not able to judge what's going to happen tomorrow. Remember Jephthah's promise? You know, the first thing that comes out of my house, I will give to you. He would have never made that promise to God had he known it was going to be his daughter. So we ought to be careful with the things that we say or echo from our mouths. But we don't know what the outcome is going to be. We live our lives for Jesus and we do our very best to stay faithful and true to him. Proverbs chapter 17 and the verses 3. The Bible says the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests hearts. Again, why would God test our hearts? Turn to First Peter, please, chapter 1. If he already knows the answer, right? If he already knows um, how I'm going to respond when, when, when my heart starts fluttering, or if he already knows how I'm going to respond when someone says this or does that to me, if he already knows the answer, then we get into this problem of, oh, so our lives are predestined, right? Every aspect of your life is predetermined by God. Now we are people who believe in predestination. Well, we got to be careful, don't we, with that? Because we don't believe in predestination. Rather, we have the choice to make on our own. We get to choose whether we accept God whether we serve God, whether we live for God, whether we do the will of God or not. First Peter chapter 1, the verse 6 and 7 says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, even though, uh, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so, here comes that test again from God. And even to Christians, God said in chapter 4 of First Peter and verse 12, He says to us, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Will I remain faithful? Will I remain true to God? I don't know. First Corinthians chapter 11. I say I will. Through thick and thin, regardless, God, of what comes my way, I will stay faithful to you until the day I leave this earth. Do you know how many other preachers have said that? And walked away from God? Because of various trials and tribulations in their lives that they just couldn't handle. Christians as well. So we ought to be careful and just pray for the grace and mercy of God, for the strength of God, and rely on God and His strength in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. There's this great verse in verse 19 that comes to mind regarding testing. It's The word faction is used there. And a, a faction, you know, a trial, is something to let you kind of know who's who. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 19. The Bible says, For there must also be factions among you in order that those who are approved may become evident among you. So, in other words, this testing, turn to Jeremiah 17. This testing is there, and this faction comes our way, so that you'll know, you'll know who's around you. And that's important, right? You gotta know who's who. So faction is going to come, and instead of being upset about faction, thank God for it. Recognize that factions are there to help to make evident, if you will, those, um, you know, who are for you and those who are against you. You'll never know who's really for you 
or who's really against you until you go through something. Then you know, based on their response or based on their reaction, who people really are that are surrounding you. And oftentimes we, uh, we befriend people a little bit too quickly. And the Bible tells you not to do that. You're going to be heartbroken. Uh, you have to go through some things first to know who people really are. So uh, the Bible says factions will come our way and it will reveal who's who. It makes it evident. So again, the question is, if God knows all things, what will be the purpose of the test? If he already has the answers to everything in our lives, what is the purpose of a godly test? Keeping in mind that a test does not lead us to sin. That's important. A test is not the same thing as a temptation. For God cannot tempt us with evil. But a test can lead us. To show us something for ourselves as well. To show us, hey, you know what? You are stronger than you think you are. Right? To show us that you can, even though you thought you could not. In that moment when you have your faith and confidence in God and, and you were positive you couldn't make it and you, you're there and God helps you to make it through and you make it through that situation and you go, thank you God for blessing me to make it through. Right? Sometimes the test shows us how strong we really are in Christ. But Jeremiah 17, beginning at verse 9, the Bible says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his God says, I'm going to test your heart. Deuteronomy 13. Because I want to know. Deuteronomy chapter 13. Before before I give you this situation. You know the Bible, we, we say this so often that um, God will not allow us to be tempted beyond we're able. So God puts us in situations in life to see how strong we really are. Okay, brother, you're not ready for this yet. You're not ready for this yet, so let me hold this back. God tests the mind, see who we are. Chapter 13, verse 1, Deuteronomy. For prophet or dreamer dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder. And the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods whom you have not known and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord, your God, is testing you to find out if you love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul. Wow, think about that, right? Here comes this this dreamer and he tells you something and, and, it, and it sounds really good. And you follow it and it's something that leads you away from God and you know it right from the beginning and you follow that thing. God says, I want to see, are you actually going to listen to that? I mean, this is not something that's new. It's uh, one of those things where we know uh, someone comes up to us and they tell us something that really sounds good. And you, you kind of know, you're like, mm, you know, but really, should I? But because you really want it, the desires of your heart are fulfilled. And you go after that thing and you walk away from God for it. God says, don't do that. Don't do that. Deuteronomy chapter 8, 
uh, verses 1 and verse 2. After all the commandments, excuse me, all the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Again, it's an accusation that we make. God knows all things. And God makes it clear in the Old Testament and the New Testament that I do not. I'm going to test you. I want to know what you're going to do. Sometimes we surprise God. <laughs> you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We do not believe in predestination. God has access to all knowledge. But there are some things that God chooses not to know. Second Chronicles chapter 32. Now the difficult part is, as we go through the scriptures now, and we try to determine, well, what are those things that God determines what to know? And what are those things that God has determined not to know? And we don't always know the right questions to ask, but we could look through the scriptures and find that there are some times that God chooses to know, and he needs to know for various reasons. There are other times when God chooses not to know. On our part, then in our lives, we have to recognize it's the same thing. There are some things that God may choose to know, and there are some things that God may choose not to know. But regardless of this fact, one thing that we know is, we know our own hearts, don't we? We know when we've done evil. We know when we've done wrong. And we know when we have to repent to God, right, and confess our sins. The choice is ours. Chapter 32 of Second Chronicles, verse 30. The Bible says, It was Hezekiah who stopped the upper outlet of the waters of Gihon and directed them to the west side of the city of David. And Hezekiah prospered in all that he did. And even in the matter of the envoys of the rulers of Babylon who sent to him to inquire of the wonder that had happened in the land, God left him alone only to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. God wanted to know what is in your heart. Hmm, Hezekiah. Look at Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. And let's look at verse number 4. Exodus 16 and verse 4. God gave them manna, right? What a blessing. Listen to what the Bible says. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instructions. In other words, God's law was go and gather a little bit every day, a certain amount, Every day, and then tomorrow it'll be there. And you just go by faith and believe it's going to be there. Oh, but that's not what Israel did. Not the Jews. No, the Hebrews instead, they went and grabbed a whole lot. And God said it's spoiled. God wanted to know what was in their hearts. Would they be honest? Would they hold fast their integrity? Would they listen and obey God? Some did and some did not. Genesis, please. Chapter 22. We read this one, but I want to go over it again quickly. Verses uh, 1 and then verse 12. Abraham being tested by God to offer up Isaac, his firstborn son, which is a 
prefiguring, if you will, a blessing to us in Jesus Christ. Now it came about, verse 1, after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. So God goes through the command and through the test. And then finally, when Abraham is ready to slay or kill his son, then God says from heaven in verse 12. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. So we would have to say, if God knows all things, then God could not say, now I know. Obviously, he didn't know. Could he have known? Well, he has access to all knowledge, but he chooses not to know some things. Turn to Judges, please. Judges chapter 2. And let's begin reading at um, about verse 20. Judges 2 and verse 20. Listen to what the Bible says. So the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. And he said, because this nation has transgressed my covenant which I command their fathers, and has not listened to my voice. I also will no longer drive out before them all the nations which Joshua left when he died, in order to test Israel by them whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk in it as their fathers did or not. So the Lord allowed those nations to remain, driving them out quickly, and he did not give them into the hand of Joshua. Now here's a, a thing I want us to think about. When, when you hear people saying, and maybe we've said as, as members of the church, you know, we look to heaven and we say, God, why are you doing this to me? We need to be honest with the Bible and honest with God. It's not always God doing it to us. Okay? That's really important. It's not always God doing it to us. Sometimes it's Satan doing it to us. Other times it's we are doing it to ourselves. It's just so much easier to blame God, like this, for example, to say, well, God knew, so why? Well, again, it's not that God always knows. God chooses sometimes not to know. Judges chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, the Bible says, Now these are the nations which the Lord left to test Israel by them. That is, all who had not experienced any of the wars of Canaan. Only in order that the generations of the sons of Israel might be taught war. Those who had not experienced it formerly. These nations are the five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Hivites who lived in Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon as far as Lebo Hamath. And they were for the testing of Israel to find out if they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers through Moses. Now, God could have removed them, but you see, they were supposed to already be gone. But Israel didn't follow God's commandment to remove them. And so God said, well, fine, I'll leave them there, and they will serve as a test. Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15, beginning at verse 25. So here's what here's here's the idea. We grow with a better understanding um, of the conditions of God as we continue in this life. In Numbers 15, beginning at verse 25, then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the water became sweet. There he made for them a statute and regulations, and there he 
tested them. And he said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you, which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. God makes the water pure. And then God says, now look, if you'll just do this. But he left it to them to make the decision to make the choice. Exodus 20, regarding the Hebrews again. Verse 18. After God had given the law of Moses, the Bible says in verse 18, And all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when they, the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. And then they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen. But let not God speak to us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. For God has come in order to test you. And in order that the fear of him may remain on you or with you so that you may not sin. So the people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. So the peals of thunder and the lightning, it frightened them. And God said, you don't have to be afraid of me as long as you don't have sin. See, that's a blessing to us today, right? We don't have to be afraid of God. Just get your sin right, right? Go to God and, 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 and you know, repent like he says, confess like he says, and God will forgive you. And then we have this amazing relationship with the creator of the world. The reason that we should fear God is that we have sin and we refuse to repent of it, right? Because then we're standing opposed to God as an enemy of God. And God says, I've given you a simple formula. Here it is, a simple formula. If you're a Christian and you're struggling in your faith, if you have sin that you need to repent of, repent, right? Confess your sins. That, that, that's it. It's a simple, simple way. And then God says, I'm, I'm giving you this, and now I, I just want to see how many of you will, will repent. If you're not a child of God, you, you hear his word, you believe it, you repent of your sins, you have godly sorrow, you confess his name, be baptized, immersed in water, all your sins are washed away. And God wants to see how many people in the world will repent, will come to him and surrender in the waters of baptism. Some will, and some will not. I want to close with the divine purpose we looked at last week. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. God's divine purpose. We can learn from this divine purpose, and we can grow from it, and we can participate in it by being like God and showing or exercising kindness to the world. Romans 2 verse 4 the Bible says, Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Just repent, right? It's not hard. Come to God. 
It's not hard. But we make it hard, don't we? We we make it difficult. I'm closing in Second Peter chapter chapter three. Christianity is, is probably one of the one of the most I guess it's complex, but at the same time it's so it's so simple. We we do our, our very best and we, we find ourselves sinning. And when we find ourselves sinning, God is so amazingly kind and patient that God promises to forgive us of our sins. And all that we have to do is just is just, you know, literally what it is is just say I'm sorry. <laughs> right? That's it. Just say, God, I'm sorry. I blew it. Like we would expect, we teach our children to say, say you're sorry, right? As adults, we expect some someone to say they're sorry when they've wronged us. It's the same thing with God, just saying I'm sorry. Why is it so hard to say I'm sorry to God? <laughs> I've sinned against you. I, I repent. I don't want to live that way any longer. Second Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people are you to be? in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, on account on which the heavens will be destroyed with burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to His promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth on which righteousness dwells. Again, all God is asking us to do, church, is just say, I'm sorry when you miss the mark, when you sin. It's not something that's shameful. It's, you know, maybe what we did, okay, I'm sorry I did it and I'm, I'm ashamed I did this, but you still have to say I'm sorry, right? We do it in our relationships, in our friendships, in the world today. We say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Why is it so hard to say to God, I'm sorry? Why, why has the opportunity to be right with God become this opportunity of shame? No, it's, it's a time to say, I'm sorry, and make the wrongs right. So tonight, if you're not a Christian, we invite you to come to God and say, I'm sorry. Repent of your sins. After having heard His Word and believed it, confess His name and be baptized, immersed in water for the remission of your sins. And if you are a child of God and you have sin in your life, and you want to make it right with God, just come say, I'm sorry. It's okay to say, I'm sorry. Right? God bless you. The lesson is yours. Thank you for your time tonight.